Hi, good morning. It's Tuesday morning. Um, before I go to school, let me see if I can take a look at the Haftor this week. It's a busy week, um, which is being sponsored by our good friends from Iowa. Eric Smith, thank you very much, from Des Moines, Iowa, uh, the Midwest chapter <laughs> of the podcast followers. And um, I don't have anybody else for the rest of the week, but meanwhile, let's do the Parsha and the Haftor. So we have, of course, the very famous Haftor of Malachi, Malachi. Uh, especially the last part is often quoted. And, you know, they say, I mean, there's a theory that uh, in the Gemara also, the Malachi is identical with Ezra. If that's the case, and is Malachi his name, but I don't want to get into that. The bottom line is this is probably something from the beginning of the Bayez, probably from the beginning of Bayez, uh Shani period, maybe not. And the um, striking thing, it seems to me, has to do with the structural nature of authority what we call institutional authority versus charismatic authority. The base of Migdash and the Jewish religion, the biblical Jewish religion, the biblical Jewish religion, not the current one, has certain features to it that change with the destruction of base of Migdash. And one of them has to do with this notion of certain institutional forms of authority, which throughout history, when they have an institutional form of authority, especially with a monopoly on that authority, you're already exposed to uh, problems and crises when the wielders of that authority are unworthy. And that's exactly what Malachi is talking about. If he is indeed identical with Ezra, then it's interesting because Ezra is a coin, as we know. You look in the book of Ezra, they, they actually trace his lineage back to Aaron. You know, the son of this, the son of that, the son of that. He's the only one I know that they do that in the Tanakh, but they do. And uh, and he's criticizing the priesthood. He's criticizing the temple service in his time. So we're going back to a time. Think about what I'm about to say. Malachi's talking about a time where all the action happened based on Migdash. Therefore, all the action happened sacerdotically. That means sacerdotally. It had to be done by certain priests and things like this, the Bnei Aaron. And they have an exclusive on it. So to, to use... To put it in simple English, the biggest Talmud, <laughs> this is true with any rule. My father used to say, it's an old expression in Europe, nine Talmud Chacham is not a minion. Ten Amaratzim is a minion. You say, why? Because it's the magic number ten. Doesn't matter who you are. Okay? So similarly, the biggest Bucky in the world in Taharis cannot declare, you know, Mitzorah or something like that. But a dumbbell Kohen and Amaratz can do it. And so they would have, what they would have to do, of course, would be to go and, and get a hold of a coin, no matter how smart or, or not smart he was, and he would make the pronouncement, hopefully at the direction of Talmud Chacham. I mean, that's the problem when you have uh, power and authority granted by heredity and not by ability. Okay? Now, the Jewish religion used to run that way. It hasn't run that way since the Korban. Today... Although there are attempts always to do that. That's just a natural part of the human condition that people try to institutionalize and make permanent their power. Never really works. But maybe I'm wrong. I'll tell you what I mean. Originally, Judaism, as you know, was temple-centered. The Chumash is all about that. The whole book of Ayikra. There's no davening. Once upon a time, as the Rambam reminds us, at the beginning of Hilchus, um, was the host fila? There was no davening, formal prayer. 
there was perhaps informal prayer, right? You know what I'm talking about. Look at the round beginning. I've said it many times that there's no such thing as Shachos Mincha Marev. According to the Rambam, anyway, the Fuki the Ramban, you just said whatever's on your mind. But you're supposed to say something to God every day. And the way the Rambam has it, there's like a little, very extremely basic structure. You say Shevach of some sort, then you ask for your Bakosha, and then you ask, conclude with Shevach So in other words, it's like a formal conversation with certain aspects. But the actual terminology you use, the words you use, are up to you. So if a person was inarticulate, he'd just simply say, you're great, O Lord. Uh, every day, same words. But then the middle part, where you ask what you want, that is the most relevant part. I need good crops. I'm looking for a shidduch. I want to hit the, the jackpot, the lottery, the powerball. I want to pass the test. I want this. You know what I mean? Whatever your lamaisa dick of requests are. I remember the family's having an operation. You know, whatever it is. And then you conclude, you know, again, with you're very great and you're uh, awesome. And thus he does. And as the Rambam puts it, the one who is more articulate would say in a more articulate way, the one who is less articulate in a less articulate way. So that means there's no such thing as Shachos Menachemarv, there's no such thing as a Beis HaKnesses. You see what I'm saying? A minion. There's no such thing as a minion. The whole davening, everything else, is highly informal, personalized. I mean, if you, listen, in the old, old days, if you wanted to, 10 people or 20 people could get together and talk. I mean, you know, it wasn't against it. You get what I'm saying? If 10 people said, we want to get together to have, like the Quakers, you know, a common prayer zach. If that's what you wish to do, you could do. You don't have to. If you go like the, it, but at least there's some minimum. Ramban, I remember, says not, not even that, right? Not even that. You know, the, the Ramban said they should, you know, uh, you're, you're on your own. If you want to dive in, it's, it's an opportunity to take advantage of it. You talk to God. You don't want to heck with you. So in that kind of world, the Jewish religion looked very different. What would your life be without a synagogue? Right? You see what I'm saying? So, I mean, everything was different. There were no yeshivas with books because there were no books at that time. It was against the, the law to, to, to write things down, as you know. So, it's hard for us to wrap our heads usually around that. And I get it. You know, I understand that. But instead, it was highly centralized in the base of Middush. It was Carbonus, which can only be done by Kohanim, assisted by Levim in, in specified ways. And that's the only opportunity there is. What if the Kohen is unworthy? Doesn't matter. He's the only one who can do it. We have in the Bible... And in the Talmud, a fair number of examples of Kohanim that were unworthy. Chafni and Pinchas come to mind. Remember in the Gemara, the guy stabbed the other guy running up the ramp. I mean, you know, we have such cases. You get it? Does not matter. What do I mean when I say it doesn't matter? Even if the person standing next to the Kohen is a tzaddik, if he's not a Kohen, he can't do it. So, that means that it's all in the hands of this designated elite. Now, Judaism has not been this way since the Corbin. Instead, we have something approaching a meritocracy, something like that, meaning it's based on scholarship, knowledge, and character, what we call Talmud Chacham and Gedolim, hopefully. I realize that not everybody's a Talmud Chacham is necessarily an honest person, all the rest of it, but you hope most of them are. 
And the people who have emerged in the history of Kali Yisrael as what we call Gedolim or authority figures did so charismatically, meaning somehow or other the word got out and was believed by people that Plony is a Godel in the sense of having tremendous knowledge, but also having tremendous Yashras and character and things like that. Okay? We all know that a person is... But if it's a meritocracy, you don't inherit it necessarily. There are many, many cases of rabbis and gedolim, starting with Moshe Rabbeinu, by the way, who wanted to hand it over to their children, even though the children were not worthy. That's, you know, an understandable human zach. In in the old days, in the old form, they would say, so-and-so was a robin here in Galicia, here, and he left in his tavo, Al-Kisi lo Yeshev Zor. <laughs> they used to write like that. I'm serious. Al-Kisi lo Yeshev Zor. The, the, the next rabbi should be my son. And sometimes, depending on the power of the charisma, they're able to pull it off. You understand? Able to pull it off. But there are as many cases where he was successful in pulling it off as the case is unsuccessful in pulling it off. Like I mentioned the other day, the Hassam Sofer was able to pull it off and they had a dynasty. The Hassam Sofer and then his son and then his son and then his son and so were down to the end. On the other hand, like the Broyers wasn't able to. You know, there was this Broyer, he wanted his son to do it and the community didn't elect him. They didn't do it. So he had both. In Malachi, especially if he's Ezra, he's saying over here that the system has gone bad, especially led by a corrupt priesthood. Okay? The system going bad expresses itself in the fact that people don't take the carbona seriously, and when they do, they use low-quality animals. Notice that's a way of saying that if I have a broken arm or, or an animal that's a cripple or something like that, that's the one I'll use for the carbon, meaning I can't get much out of them anyway in the regular market, so the heck with it, I might as well use it for carbon, to yotza my, my, my carbonas, which is a tremendous choloshan. That's like the heart of this um, of uh, of this Haftorah, right? And he's angry because he said, the Goyim don't do that. What the Goyim, they, they wouldn't take a blemished animal. They wouldn't take a crippled animal. That would be considered insulting to the God. But you, the Jews, you do that. Why? Because you say, it's just, you know, Shulchan Hashem Magol, who been even there was the the God's table, meaning the Mizbeach and the base of Megish, Magol is disgusting, right? And Nivo and there was the Ochlov, and the food is contemptible. Meaning, you're basically saying like this, as I understand it. Look, God does not eat anything. Even though we offer carbonus to him, and to use the, the, the lotion of Reich Nechoach, but it's not literal. So if it's not literal, then that can be taken one of two ways. You could take it in a sublime Maimonidean concept that is all symbolic. We're offering carbon to Hashem. The Reich Nechoach has to be with with your um, Lishma, your uh, Emuna, Bitochon, things like that. Alternatively, you can say, look, the whole thing's a, a, a flash in the pan. It's a show. None of that's literal. It's just expression. And basically... Carbonus are for the dummies. And, you know, it doesn't really matter. Uh, God's not eating it anyway. So why can't I offer a crippled animal? You understand? Know in other words, why do I have to take a hit in the pocket? 
And they're missing the whole concept of Lishma. That when you want to give something valuable to the base of Migdash, you're doing it as an expression of your Lishma. And if you don't do so, then you have no Lishma. So then you have quantity without quality, which is a major theme of the Haftarah today. And Judaism is not interested, Novi tells us, in quantity without quality. Okay? We're not interested in that. And I'll say it again, you know, the Novi, who is is, is giving a Navua here, since Hashem talking, is saying, You say, what a bunch of baloney this is, matlov, this is a weariness, a baloney. And he says, oh, you, 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 what are you giving the, the base of English? Guzzle, stolen animals, piseach, you know, lame animals, chola, uh, sick animals. Imagine that. The guy's got an animal that's got a disease, it's going to die soon. You figure the heck with it. <laughs> my, boy, since it's going to die anyway, might as well be Yotzin and give it for a carbonola or something. You see, like, well, you know, what is this? You're trying to, to corner the market and, and, and get a bargain with, with, with Hashem? You see? Um, Hashem said, do you think I want this? Right? Do you think I want it? Hashem says, I curse the, 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 the crook. I curse the person who has a good animal, but he gives the, the blemished one to me. Now, it's not that, again, it's not that Shem actually eats these animals. It's not even that he smells them or anything. There's nothing human ultimately associated with God. But on the other hand, it's a question of attitude. Meaning, the Nafi is conveying the idea over here that the whole system based on Megdash is symbolic. But the symbolism is to convey a certain feeling of awe upon you. It should be awesome. You go to base and make it, you say, wow. And therefore, you're moved to, to be more noble, to do teshuva, to have a sense of, of giras aromas. I mean, that is what it's all about. Base and has no value in and of itself. The Mishkan has no value in and of itself. You understand what I'm saying? It's entirely functional. It's entirely instrumental. That is the Jewish position. Okay? We talk about Kedusha and all the rest of it. These are all functions, not of Be'etzim Kedusha in the sense that something is sacred because God is the only reality over there, right? But rather, it is, you know, to to uh, convey to you certain feelings. Let me ask you a question. Suppose there's a Pekot Nefesh, and, you know, or I'll use a, a, a good example now. Suppose they captured a hostage, like a pigeon Shavuyim, and they said, we'll only give it back if you give us this Kli, or we'll kill this Jew- Jewish guy, or give us one of the one of the Kli Shars. Give us a Kli from Beis Amigdash. You think it's a question, what, what what the din is? Now, it could be that in the old days they would mix it up and say, better that a guy should die than one of the sacred vessels should be profane. But not really. You know what I'm saying? The whole reason is just to convey a sense of awe upon us, to move us to the right feelings, to move us to the right action. So, if you play along the way you're supposed to, the way the Torah wants you to, you will treat this with great awe, with tremendous respect, with tahara. You won't go in unless you're metahir yourself. Either paraduma, or uh, or, or, or uh, what do you call the, you know, mikvah mayan or something like that. To, 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 to inspire yourself. Don't get hooked on the idea that the thing itself is something. 
But this idea that I just told you can go too far in the wrong direction, which is what the Navi is complaining about. You say, since the whole thing's not real anyway, it's only to inspire you, so then it doesn't matter. But it does matter, because if you treat it with contempt, you're violating the rules of the game, then you don't have any awe. So you walk into base and base with your lousy animals, all the rest of it, with a smirk on your face, and you say, here, I'm, uh, I'm knocking off my uh, obligations, but uh, meanwhile, I'm saving money at the same time. I'm being very economical. And so this smug smirk is what drives the Navi in our Haftar crazy. He said, you wouldn't find it among the Goyim, but you will find it among the Jews. And this is either late in the first temple or beginning in the second temple. It fits both. Uh, because there are crises over here. Uh, it fits more late sec- late first temple, to tell you the truth. Because we know from McCaskill and other places that people were mistreating, misbehaving in the base of Migdash. Right? But, um... But what he called, uh, it's possible it could be the, the beginning of the Second Temple, since there was a lot of confusion going on with intermarriage and all the rest of it. But I mean, look what he says over here. Uh, and now I address you, the Kohanim. And I tell you again, the problem is, or how do they say the fish stinks from the head? The problem is that the priests, obviously, are not setting a good example. At least that's the impression you get from reading Malachi. You go to the base of Migdash, the Kohanim is supposed to be very solemn, very officious, you know, taking things very seriously, not in an anti-way, but in a in a good way. Um, but if you walk in and the Kohanim are chattering among themselves and smirking and all the rest of it, and here come a bunch of uh, uh, rubes, then what does that, you know, leave over for the the, 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 the Yisraelim who come to, 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 uh, to visit? Um, to, to attend the temple. I commit, I, I turn my attention to Kohanim. If you will not take it to heart, Hashem says, I'll send a curse on you, you Kohanim, and I'll curse your blessings. You hear what he said? And I'll curse you, because you don't take it to heart. Meaning, you're no doggone good. These are famous sukim. I'll rebuke, right? Uh, your offspring, or could be also the agricultural crops, and I will spread dung on your faces. The dung of the sacrifices. Now, what does that mean? That's heavy expression. <laughs> you Kohanim, who are misacting, not acting right, but you say, I have plenty of meat and plenty of carbonus and all the blood and all this sort of thing. As far as I'm concerned, your face is all covered with, like, you know, with perish, with dreck. That's what he says. Okay? And he says, um, why can't you be the way a coin's supposed to act? See, the system is not flawed. It's the abuse. It's the abuse that comes with hereditary systems that can lead to flaws and what's leading to flaws. If you act right, the Kohanim have the capacity within them to set a good example and turn the base of English in a place of awe so that the Jew who visits there comes away bagaistered, as they say, you know, inspired and moved to change. Without a mustard schmooze, 
But without being criticized all the rest of it. I mean, that's the best. You understand? That's what we call chuvmiyava, so to speak. It's not because somebody's, oh, you're acting bad, this and the other. The best, best possible teshuva is when you have teshuva miroimimus, you might say. You know, there's far and right about this in different ways. But, you know, one way is to say, ooh, you're talking in shul, this, that, and the other, you're doing bad, and you, you allow it, you stink, and this, and that, and the other, kiddish risha. That's one way. The other way is you come to a place and say, wow, this is a davening. I never was in this shul before. That's a davening. That's amazing. I should be like that from now on. You get it? Without anybody laying a single word of criticism upon you, it hit the, it hit the target. Right? It hit the target. And so, you know, it's... it's um, <laughs> it is... You know, that's the best way. And that's what the base of English was really supposed to be. It doesn't say you came in base of English and somebody gave a musa schmooze. There are some forms that talk like that. And I could get into that. A coin, when he's operating right, really had some sort of like father confessor type thing. You don't have to, but that's often what they did when they're doing the right way. But only in a way that, that that makes you feel good. You understand? Makes you feel good. You know, there's all the difference between saying, how could you do a thing like that? Or a person speaking with great human sympathy and saying, you know, we, 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 uh, you're a wonderful person I, I, and I know you can do better. You know, that kind of talk. The key point is to make the person change. The key person make the person repent. So, the Kohanim have that capacity. It must be hereditarily. But, and he says over here, that it's really supposed to be Leosi Brisius Levi on I'm supposed to have a bris, God says, with Levi, meaning the Kohanim. And that means, theologically, that Hashem endowed the Kohanim with at least a capacity to do what I just said before. I gave him a bris with Chaim and Shalom, and I also gave him a Moira, right? What does that mean, a Moira? Not to terrify people, but Yeris Haromus. I gave you the capacity, Hashem says, Aaron and his descendants, that when you operate correctly in Beis Amigdash, it sets off Moira of Yiraini. It sets off a sense of Moira so that the person, by visiting the base of Mignish and seeing all the rest and the carbonus and everything running in the right way, has a sense of this, you know, Moira, in the good sense of Moira, here is Haromamus, and, and, and becomes better, okay? And becomes better. But, there's, you know, there's, there's a, a way of doing that, meaning you have to have a certain way. First of all, Torah Semes it's come an hour now, you have to have a Torah Semes. So that means that you can't be a cynic. And you say, all right, now you have to have a Carbonus, but everybody can tell you're just looking, thinking about the meat or something like that. In which case, what you're saying is not a Torah Semes. It's not something you feel. And you say nothing bad. Okay? There's no Avla on his Svasov, which can, which is a wonderful expression. It can mean that they don't criticize you. They, they, they lead by example, or it means they don't curse you, or they don't use cuss words, or a lot of different things. But avlos nimsevus also, or you're not a hypocrite and you say one thing and do another. But shalom of amisha halachiti, and the 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 Kohen, Kohen system when it's running correctly, shalom of amisha is number one shalom. I told you before, it's not like you're cussing someone out, 
But on the other hand, it's done. But you are moving them to repent, but you're doing the Bashom with Misha, and you got to have Yashris. You see? Can't be no shtick. Now, it's hard when you're a Kohen and you have all these privileges to be 100% Yash. You got to do it. You got to do it. If you have that, see that? Teresemis, if you have Shomi of Mishar, then Rabim Heshim Yavim. You get it? Then you inspire people to do Tshuva. Because the Sipse Kohen should have Das. Right? Das means you take all the privileges and the, the rules you have in the Torah, but use them the right way. You can always misuse it, and that's what they were doing in this time, in the Navi's opinion. You can have it in the wrong way. Yishmu Das means you take all your privileges and all your rules and regulations, but the final result is a is a is a good kugel, so to speak. Not a bad kugel, a good chant, not a bad chant. And then if people if if you act that way, if das, then indeed people will come to learn from you. Which by the way the Chazal even say is a famous teaching about that. Because then people say this coin is a malch. No, not literally, but they say he's angelic. That is to say, he's an exemplary character. I want to be like him. I want to learn from him. I want to be guided and directed by him. This is the highest madrega, and that's what you hope for. But it's easier said than done. So in the beginning, first half of this, Haftarah, they're blasting the people for all their, uh, you know, uh, cynical and disgusting attitude towards the carbonosol, the rest of it, making a joke. But then he gets to the people who is in charge, and, and that's the Kohanim. Why, why do you act so uh, unworthily? This, my friends, is the problem with any kind of hereditary type of situation. Uh, in the history of Hasidus, sometimes you have that the father was a great Rebbe, and then the son is just a son. And, you know, then you have fights and things like that in different dynasties, because you have this classic problem. You say, how can my father or my grandfather was so-and-so, you got to give it to me. Benon Shel Kedoshim, as they call it. But then, the other one said like this, Benon Shel Kedoshim, you know, your grandfather was a Kaddish, who says you are? And so you got to live up to it. Right? you got to live up to it. This is the problem with any hereditary situation. The truth is, it's not only a Hasidic thing. In the Litvisha world, every Rosh Hashiva wants his kids to be the Rosh Hashiva after him, whether they're worthy of it or not. This is going on for a thousand years, in fact, more than a thousand years. I mean, I'm in history. Just a natural Yetzirah, the person doesn't want to be succeeded by necessarily the best person, most qualified person, but by their by their family. It's eight cages. The, uh, the Haftarah today is, is, is attacking that. Or let's put it this way, it's holding it up to light. And it's saying that um, it shouldn't be, you know, who you are. Although, it doesn't challenge, I mean, it's in the Chumash, it doesn't challenge the Kahuna. After all this, you know, Haftar, you don't say like this, somebody else replaced the Kohanim. Now, in Jewish history, that did happen. Meaning, when the base of Mish was destroyed, who replaced the Kohanim? The answer is Talmud HaChachamim, if you think about it. The, 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 the main actors in the religion used to be the Kohanim. Um, and not anymore. I mean, obviously, with Talmud HaChachim is a Kohanim, that's fine, but I'm just saying, it's, it's a function of, of being a Talmud HaChachim. What's the definition of Talmud Chacham? Same thing. If you want to be in a leadership position, you better be Torah Samus Befiu, Avala Lo Simsa Besvasav, Sholva Misha Halach, 
and then Rabbi Meishim Yovim. And even the Chazal say, Im Doma Harav Lemalach, how's it go? Doma Harav Torah Mavakish You know, you've heard that before, right? That, what does that mean? Doma Harav Lemalach Hashem Tzvokos. That it's being someone's Rebbe, like an yeshiva or something like that, is an official position. Um, but just because you occupy that official position doesn't mean that you're worthy. You have to be worthy of it. So you have an office that you occupy, and you have a certain authority by virtue of that office, but you have to live up to the uh, the requirements of that office. Uh, that's, uh, you know, I mean, in other words, that's, that's a constant. And you always have to watch against the usurpation of authority by people who claim... You know, not incorrectly claim, you know, kind of hereditary, uh, you know, uh, rights and powers and, and privileges. Um, they may be there, but you've got to, like I say, you have to demonstrate your worthiness of, of holding that office. Anyway, that's why I think it went a little bit long. I'm going to thank once again Eric Smith and the guys all the way out in Iowa. Thank you very much. And we'll see if we find anybody else who can uh, sponsor the rest of the week. Have a good week.